You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at weddingtonchurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of John. The Gospel according to John, chapter 17, we'll begin at verse 1. The Gospel according to John, chapter 17, we'll begin at verse 1, where John writes, After Jesus had spoken these words, He looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you since you've given Him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So now, Father... Glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me I have given to them, and they have received them. And know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm asking on their behalf, not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one, as we are one. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this will be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. A member of our congregation was recently visiting with some of their family who live in another state. And while they were there, they went to church with their family there to the church where they belong. It's a former Methodist church, and I know the pastor there. I've met him. And so when our members came back, they shared with me that Brian said to tell me, Hello. And I remember marking to the, to the family and said, I'd be surprised if he really remembers me. And they said, no, he remembers you. Now, I had met him before. We actually sat together at a table before when we were at a conference. I've heard him preach before. We did have a, a telephone call one time talking through some of the issues that are going on in the denomination and other things. I respect him, and I respect his ministry. He's done great things, has an amazing church. We know about each other, but I would not say we have a relationship. You could argue that we were friends, but we're not 
intimate friends. I've never sat down and had dinner with him, just the two of us. And I've never met his family. I don't know much about his family. But again, I care about him. He's a trusted and respected colleague. He's an acquaintance. And someday I would love the opportunity to get to know him better. Now, Jesus here in John chapter 17 is preparing for the cross. If you look at the context of the scripture, Jesus has just shared the upper room experiences. And John, John tells us that Jesus got up, washed the disciples' feet. And now he's preparing for the cross. But Jesus knows as he's sharing this prayer with God, he's spending this intimate time in prayer. The very next day he'll be on a cross. But right now he's praying to God. And he spends some intimate time and he, he talks about that, that he's about to be glorified, that his work is done. And so we, Jesus knows that just on the other side of this cross will be a resurrection. He knows that he's going to rise again and then after his work is completed, after he has worked through everything and spent some amazing time with the disciples, he will ascend into heaven. Just this past Thursday was Ascension Day, where we recognize the resurrection or the ascension of Jesus back into the fullness of His glory. And next Sunday is Pentecost. So it's one of those interesting times where Jesus' work is done. We're about to, to experience Jesus revealing Himself with the presence and power of His Holy Spirit in a new way. And we get to hear Jesus pray about this. Now, most of the Gospels will tell us Jesus prayed regularly. We, we recognize when crowds would be around, Jesus would step away to a quiet place and He would pray. When He was making big decisions, selecting disciples, Jesus would go away, spend time in prayer. Prayer was vitally important to Jesus. We see Him go pray. We didn't often get to hear the prayers. This is one of the few prayers that we get to hear Jesus actually pray. And it's a beautiful prayer that he's sharing. And he's saying to God, it's, it's time. It's time. Soon we will hear Jesus from the cross cry out, it is finished. And here in this prayer, that's what he's sharing with God. I've completed the work that you've given to me. And, and now I pray that you will be glorified and that now you will glorify me as I return to the place I had before the world ever existed that I'll return to the place before I came and lived among these people as the baby born in a manger. We get a glimpse of the glorified God. We see that, for example, in the transfiguration. You remember the story when Moses and Elijah appear and Jesus is transfigured. And we get a glimpse of Jesus in His glory. We've just finished up our disciple Bible study. And in studying the book of Revelation, you also get a glimpse of Jesus in His glory Paul describes it, I think, beautifully in Philippians chapter 2 when he talks about how Jesus humbled himself. But then he says that God highly exalted him, gave him the name that's above every other name, and that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. A risen Christ is once again assuming His role in the fullness of the kingdom. 
And he says to God, the work that you've given to me is done. What was that work? Well, look back at verse 2 again of John 17. Jesus says, to give eternal life to all whom you've given him. And then he explains, and this is eternal life, that they, meaning us, may know you, the only true God and Jesus the Christ whom you sent. Here's the beautiful thing. The work that God sent Jesus to do obviously was to save us, hence dying on the cross, but to save us and build a relationship so that, that we can be restored. When, when you look at Genesis, for example, when God created, the whole reason of creation was God wanted to be in relationship with us. And you see it from Genesis to Revelation. And here we get to see that, that the work that Jesus had was to make sure that we know this God, that we have a relationship with this God. God wants us to know Him. And we hear in verse 6, for example, Jesus goes on to say, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. Remember the name of God is Yahweh or I Am, which we find in Exodus chapter 3. But when you study the book of John, there are I Am sayings throughout it where Jesus will say, I Am, and it's all like all caps, bold, italics, underlined. It's that name of God. I'm God. I am Yahweh. And the thing that, that Jesus is wanting to do is make sure that we understand who God is, how much God loves us, and to have a relationship with Him. And we hear it again then in verse 8 when Jesus goes on to say, For the words that you gave to me I've given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. What God is looking for, for from you and from me is not to have just an acquaintance relationship where I know who Brian is. When I see his picture, I know who he is. If he walked in the room, it might take me a second because I wouldn't be expecting it. But then, well, that's Brian. I've heard him preach. I know a little bit about him, but it's not a deep relationship, hopefully someday, but not yet today. And, and God is looking for more of a relationship than that with us. God wants us to have a little bit more than, I, I recognize the name, I know who He is, but rather a genuine relationship to really get to know Him, not to have a casual relationship, but a genuine friendship. God desires a friendship with you. Now, staying in the Gospel of John, so we're hearing John's telling, just turn back a couple of chapters to John chapter 15, verse 13, and you'll hear Jesus say these amazing words. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's a powerful scripture that we have. But oftentimes we, we memorize a verse and there's more in that context. So listen to what else Jesus says because he's going to go ahead and clarify. Did you hear what I said? I called you friends. Well, listen to this again with the rest of it. When, when Jesus said, no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I've commanded you. 
I do not call you servants any longer. We're, we're past that. We, our, our relationship has evolved. We're more than that. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. I mean, I've introduced you. I've tried to share this with you. We're no longer casual. We're no longer acquaintances. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer, who's that guy over there? What was that guy's name? We're past that. We're friends. And that's the kind of relationship that God is looking for from us to the point that God invests incredibly in this relationship. Again, staying in the Gospel of John, you turn all the way back to chapter 3, that famous verse, verse 16, John 3, 16, For God so loved you. For God so loved you, God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever would believe in Him would never perish but have everlasting life. Now, sometimes we jokingly say, put your money where your mouth is, meaning it's easy to say things. Or, Do you really mean it? When, when it really comes time, would you really invest in it? Is it really important to you? When you look at the cross... This cross that we often wear around our necks, on our rings, hang from our mirrors, wherever it may be, that cross actually is a reminder that God was serious. God was so serious about being in a relationship with you that He gave everything that He had to make it possible. And not only that, God wants this relationship not to be some short-term temporal relationship, then I moved and we kind of fell out, but a long-time eternal relationship. I mean, again, staying in the Gospel of John, look at John chapter 5, verse 24. Very truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Very truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. Now, if you skip on down to John chapter 14, one of my favorite scriptures, I'm going to read this from the English Standard Version because I think they actually get it more correct than the New Revised in this case. But here's what Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. Now the beautiful imagery there is God wants a relationship with you that is so intimate that Jesus who dies for us, Jesus who gives his life for us so that we can be forgiven for our sins, this Jesus who then rises from the dead so that we can conquer not only sin but also death, now we can live eternally with him. This God so loves and wants an intimate relationship with you that he prepares a place for you in his own house. He prepares a room for you 
in his house so that we do not live near him, but God wants us to be in such an intimate relationship, we live with him. So that where I am, there you may be also. That's why Sabbath was so important to God. Spend some time with me, real quality time with me, because God really wants to spend eternity with you. That's why He offers us eternal life. This is eternal life, Jesus said in John 17, that you would know Him, that you would know Him. And God wants you to have this new life. In John 20, verse 31, keeping on moving through John, you'll hear again, but these are written, when John says why he wrote the book, these are written, these stories, these events, so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in His name. See, the beautiful thing is once we have this relationship with God and recognize that God has forgiven us for our past, has been raised from the dead, conquering death, and we have everlasting life. Eternal life starts now. It doesn't begin when we die, but eternal life actually begins when we have the relationship with Jesus Christ because there's no end point anymore. A comma, perhaps, but not a period. A comma, not a period. Irenaeus, who was a second century theologian, says, The glory of God is humanity fully alive. When we can live a full life because we have now experienced this amazing relationship with God and this incredible gift of forgiveness and grace, that's, that's when we can live. It was several years ago that... I saw this individual for the first time. He was a stranger. I was new to the church. He was sitting in the pew, and on that first Sunday, he came out and shook my hand. I'm sure he told me his name. I didn't remember it at the time. What's that guy's name that came out, the tall one with the dark hair? But I saw him several times in worship. And then, over some time, he became active in church leadership. So then I got to know him a little bit better. He was serving on some ministry teams and committees. He was involved in youth ministry and other things with his family. A nice guy. After some of our meetings, we would have the parking lot conversations and just kind of getting to know each other, laughing, telling some stories. Pretty soon those stories and that time of conversation got so long that my wife and his wife just knew if we had a meeting and we weren't home for a while, we were standing in the parking lot having a conversation. We decided one day, hey, we'll grab lunch sometime. Yeah, let's do that. And we met for lunch. We had lunch together. Just seemed to click. Just seemed like friendship. So we had lunch a few more times. And, and then there was a, an invitation to our family to come over to their home and have dinner with their family, to sit at their table inside their home, inside of their home sanctuary, and, and to be able just to share a family meal together. And, and our families hit it off, my wife and his wife, our kids hit it off, and we laughed and joked and we told all kinds of stories. 
Then there was a time when they said, hey, we've got a little place up at Smith Mountain Lake. Why don't you and Nancy and the kids come up? We're going to be up there on this certain week. We're taking a vacation week. Maybe y'all could come up for a few days. Great. And we did. We laughed. We joked. We shared stories. We met around the breakfast table, shared cups of coffee together, shared the sandwiches at lunch, shared dinner together. The relationship changed. See, he moved from being the, what was that guy's name? To knowing his name, he's somebody in the church. To let's have lunch, and we became friends. Pretty soon, we became friends that could share anything together. Pretty soon, we're eating in each other's homes. Soon, we're sharing vacations together with our families. Pretty soon, he had moved from, what's that guy's name, to a brother, a genuine brother. Now, he became ill, and just a few years ago, he died. But his wife would call us, and I would go visit with him because she would say, you know he calls you his brother, right? And, and we had that kind of relationship together that... We were just really close friends. We could laugh, we could cry, we could tell each other anything. And when he died, I remember standing up in that church and, and, and the first sentence I got out, Smiley was my brother, and I couldn't hardly say another word. It was hard, but the relationship had evolved from stranger to acquaintance to friend to brother. I tell you that story and the one at the beginning because God is looking for a deeper relationship and sometimes we settle with stranger, acquaintance. But God is looking more for that with you. Verse 26 of John 17, Jesus said, I have made your name known to them and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. I want them to feel that love and I in them. I, I, want us, I want us to be so intimate in this relationship. I, I loved you, them enough that I, I was willing to die for them. I, I gave, Jesus says, my life for you. I desperately want a relationship with you. But relationships take time. Relationships take work. They take investment. And God, God has made the first move once again. Romans 5, 8, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That proves God's love for us. God always acts. We react. So here's what I want you to hear. You have a God who wants to be your friend to the point that He gave His life for you. And now He stretches out His arms and says, I really want a relationship with you. And I've given my life to prove it. Greater love has no one than this, that He would lay down His life for His friend. And then God wants to call you friend. Now, the ball's in your court. 
So the question is, what is our relationship like with God? Are we in acquaintance with God? Kind of know who He is, know a little bit about Him. Ought to be closer, just been busy. Or have we moved to friend and even more to family? See, God wants a relationship with you, an eternal relationship with you. And Jesus said, I've done what you've called me to do. I have made you known to them. I'll give my life for them. Now it's kind of up to them. Will you pray with me? God, we're so grateful for your love and grace. And God, we are so grateful that you love us in ways that are beyond our understanding. God, we pray that you will just continue to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us so that we can grow in our relationship with you. Now, some of us, we're still at the acquaintance level. We're getting to know you. We really want to get to know you better. For some of us, we are friends. Early friends, but friends. For some of us, we're long-term friends. For some of us, we may even be best friends. For some of us, maybe even family. Wherever we are, though, God, help us to grow in our relationship with You because there is no one in this world who loves us more than You. And you have proven that love time and time again. And then you even promised us as Jesus was ascending, I will be with you forever. I will never leave you alone. Why? We're in relationship. And then the beautiful promise, and I'll prepare a place for you at my house. I'll prepare a place for you and I'll come and receive you to myself so that where I am, there you'll be also. You're an amazing God. How could we not want to be in a relationship with you? So God, if there's something that's standing between us, we pray that you would forgive it and cleanse us. And God, we pray that we would all receive you into our hearts and our lives as our Savior and as our Lord. Help us not to talk about you, but to be one with you. In the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen.